हेलो एवरीवन माय नेम इज विकास अग्रवाल एंड आई एम द फाउंडर ऑफ एआईएफ एंड पीएमएस एक्सपर्ट्स इंडिया सो एआईएफ इज योर अल्टरनेट इन्वेस्टमेंट फंड्स एंड पीएमएस इज पोर्टफोलियो मैनेजमेंट सर्विसेज वेल आई एम डिस्कसिंग दिस बिकॉज़ सम ऑफ यू आई कैन सी हैव जॉइंड हियर फॉर द फर्स्ट टाइम सो वेल वी आर वन ऑफ द लार्जेस्ट प्लेटफार्म फॉर इन्वेस्टिंग इन अल्टरनेट इन्वेस्टमेंट्स एंड पोर्टफोलियो मैनेजमेंट सर्विसेज सो इफ यू विश टू नो मोर अबाउट अस यू कैन विजिट आवर वेबसाइट www.aifpms.com and you can book a call with the team of experts and they will help you and reach out to you and uh, sort of give you all sort of analysis what is required before investing so at aif and pms experts india you know we keep organizing these knowledge based sessions and the whole idea of organizing this session is to sort of educate and empower the investor community as a whole by inviting industry experts and with me i have someone who is very very good at equities and his name is uh, chokalingam narayanan uh, he has been in equity markets for over 17 long years now and mainly into equities so you know he has worked with large organization like baroda uh, bnp pariba asset management company doish equity india private limited he has also spent some time with karani securities so academically if you look at uh, he is a post graduate from ta pi management institute and he is bachelor of commerce from gr uh, damodaran college of science uh, he has also completed his uh, financial risk manager frm certification by global association of risk professionals usa and uh, he has been working with icic for quite some time now and uh, so today what we'll do is uh, you know we'll try and read his mind understand uh, where where are these businesses which were like down by put 30% three months back and i have recovered very fast so we'll try and read his mind and understand whether it makes sense to get on to equities at this point of time or it's, it is it is good to be sideways you know so we got to have detailed discussions got to be very interesting because chokalingam is known for picking up some of the companies at an early stage of their growth curve you know his visionary eyes really helps him to to identify those companies much earlier than some of the mutual fund companies or pms companies uh you know think about picking those businesses and some of sometime i have seen that he is able to ride through those growth journey also in the sense that he may not sell early he might wait for valuation to get over and then you know probably think about replacing that but if needed if needed he might sell early also i mean it purely depends on the valuation and the proposition that 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 market reveals so so keeping that in mind uh, you know and he comes from analysis background so he was himself was research analyst so he he would know you know how how do you bring those ideas because when you are doing a complete research before you become fund manager obviously you bring those advantages and expertise on the table so hello uh, chokalingam first of all uh, uh, very much i mean thank you so much for accepting our request and taking the time out from your busy schedule and agree to speak to all our investors today because uh, very kind words and for the introduction uh, and thanks for the opportunity uh, very good afternoon to each and everyone present uh, you know in the session uh, i like uh, you know vikash mentioned about uh, you know the, the markets and uh, the outlook i'll try to cover some of those aspects as much as i understand about it uh, so uh, you know volatility versus versus risk is something that one needs to you know understand and appreciate so if you kind of look at the indian equity markets it is in the long run kind of uh, uh, tended to kind of mirror uh, what's happening in the underlying economy 
uh, and that has uh, reasonably done well and to that extent what we've seen the longer term journey has been uh, reasonably good but it does come with its ups and downs it is it is not a, a linear journey uh, in any uh, even uh, the best of the bull runs you will have amount of drawdown so if you for example look at the 2005 to 2007 bull run for example which was one of the best ones that you know we've ever seen uh in i particularly remember in 2006 we've had drawdowns of more than 10% five times so it's not a uh, it's not out of the ordinary that you will uh, see a fair bit of volatility because that's the nature of uh, equity investing itself uh reason is you're a co-owner in the company as an equity investor and uh, to that extent you will see a reasonable amount of uh volatility as you see with the earnings whenever uh, you know any of the uh or the business kind of changes so what this graph also tells you is time in the market is a lot more important than timing the market yeah so that's again something people keep asking is this the right time is this the right time that's kind of a very uh, you know oft repeated question that we typically uh, find but uh, you know if you have a uh, you know four five year sort of a uh, you know horizon uh, typically for a growing market like india especially given that we have a working age population that kind of continues to see a, a bit of growth the next 15 years that seems to be reasonably okay i think we are in a market which is uh, giving you a reasonable amount of tailwinds to participate in growth and to that extent we are reasonably poised uh, and to that extent i think if you come with that kind of horizon of say 4 to 5 years uh, then uh, equity uh, uh, you know again i uh, repeated time in the market is more important than timing the market uh, uh, can you uh, get rid of volatility absolutely not possible and cannot be controlled also it can move for various factors but what you can need to and uh, uh, you know focus on is, is uh, we need to focus on ensuring that there could be uh, you know temporary uh, risk to capital but that those should not be those should not become permanent now that's the uh, effort that one needs to put in and understand that what can cause permanent risk to your capital and we need to guard against it if there are temporary ones then those are actually good opportunities to participate in longer term growth opportunities uh that's something that we inherently believe and this is another uh, you know core belief of ours when we uh, you know evaluate businesses uh, is that companies create wealth not markets it's not because markets are doing good that certain company stocks do well it's because certain companies are creating wealth that the markets uh, as a result actually move up so it's not the other way around and you can actually see it with data if you actually take between 2010 to 15 which was a pretty tough environment for returns uh, the bottom row in red is the nifty 500 returns during each of those years what you will see is if you actually take a bucket of 5 years uh, and 5 year cagrs in that low return period also you found on an absolute basis uh, 15% 5 year cagr being generated by anywhere between 77 to 56 companies which effectively means between 15 to 52% of the companies generated an absolute return of 15% 5 year cagr irrespective of what happened in the market now that's precisely what we are trying to say that there are always a certain set of companies which will figure out a way how to navigate those issues and who can actually turn some of those headwinds into opportunities and kind of participate now how do we identify them for any stock 
typically you uh, tend to focus on you know the price of a stock is dictated by eps into pe uh, so for a stock to do well uh, there needs to be earnings growth or pe improvement if both are there then nothing like it it's uh, ideally the best combination that's possible now if you kind of look at where the markets today are i think if you like to take the last one half years we've kind of had a bit of a run but that's come largely on the back of massive earnings growth if you actually take that into account then earnings on a uh, rather pe uh, we are at around the average levels it's not actually too expensive uh, in that sense we are slightly above uh, average is what i would kind of uh, say looking at uh, uh, you know uh, second aspect that one needs to uh, look at is uh, if we uh, actually go around and look at what really drives stock returns for companies and kind of bucket companies into companies delivering more than 15% cagr returns or those between delivering between 0 to 15% or negative 15 to 0 and into those kind of buckets what you will see is for the stocks doing well uh, one earnings growth is very good which is pattern growth second the roe improvement Uh, or sustenance of very high ROEs is something uh, which is quite crucial, and if they are able to deliver these two combinations, uh, and we at our end get them at a reasonable, uh, you know, starting multiple, then the amount of wealth creation can be actually quite super. Uh, the second bucket of companies is more common, uh, uh, you know, where they grow earnings quite decent in line with what happens in the economy. Their ROEs, while it drifts down. uh because there is earnings growth the pe is kind of remain where they are the third and fourth bucket of companies are those where profit growth is under risk and roes are also trending down those are recipes for disaster and those are those are the ones which uh, where you actually destruct wealth so those are the ones against which you should guard against so ideal combination is the first one second one uh, will all you'll always find a lot of companies that you uh, would pick that would be there in the second combination also but what you need to focus on is aspect as uh, choosing the right set of companies uh, so uh, guarding against wealth destruction is as much a, a part of the journey as much as creation of wealth uh, so that is something that we uh, do now big advantage for us at icic prudential uh, alternative investments is we have uh, you know a very very uh, uh, you know big uh, uh, research bench strength uh, we have uh, roughly about uh, 22 analysts covering 490 stocks uh, that's unparalleled in the country uh, uh, you know even the largest broker in the country kind of covers only 3 for 345 stocks against that we actually have a in-house team which actually does 490 stocks so anywhere and anything that kind of sees a earnings improvement or roe improvement somebody within the team kind of has uh, an eye on it and that really helps us i opportunities uh, better than uh, the other area that we uh, you know obviously uh, the team here uh, uh, you know headed by mr anand shah 23 years in the market myself uh, you know 18 years in the market my colleague gitika has been in the market for 16 years the three of us manage funds in addition to that we have uh, uh, you know uh, analysts uh, two analysts who do slightly more deeper work to the uh, you know 22 member research team that kind of does more sector st- uh, stuff these guys also help us do 
slightly more detailed work uh, to build more concentrated positions because AF and PMS, we also give that particular experience. So that's also required. Uh, so that's the additional element that we bring in. And then we have a very seasoned dealing team in, uh, you know, Daval and Preeti with uh, each between 15 to 20 years of uh, you know, experience. And uh, we follow a process called BMV. This is the funnel through which we kind of pick, uh, you know, literally every stock that kind of comes into the portfolio. It's a five-step process. Initially, you have the, uh, you know, 2,500 odd stocks that are actively trading in the market. From this, we uh, have active coverage on close to 490 companies today. Uh, from this, we apply the BMV filter. What does BMV stand for? Uh, it basically stands for uh, business management and valuation. So here we are ideally looking businesses which are growing at a rate faster than GDP of the country. Uh, second, they are growing at a rate which is uh, better than the industry in which they are operating, which effectively means they are market share gainers. And three, uh, they have certain advantages as far as concerned, which is called modes. Uh, all modes erode over a period of time, but then uh, we need to see if there are companies which kind of reinvest into that mode and are strengthening it. Uh, if there are companies doing that and expanding on it, then that's actually much better. Uh, we look for those kind of businesses. Second, we look for uh, management. Uh, first thing we look for a management is capital allocation. Uh, because end of the day, uh, your investors allocate capital to you. You allocate capital to uh, you know people like us on the asset management side. And we in turn allocate capital to uh, corporates. So that's the heart of the function that all of us do. So it's quite important that the managements actually do a good job about it. Uh, that's what we uh, uh, you know focus on. Uh, then we look at what's their uh, you know execution track record. Uh, what's their competency? Have they been you know have they been credible about whatever they've kind of called out in the past? Uh, do they follow good corporate governance practices? We look at all those aspects. Uh, after doing this, uh, you know, uh, filter on B and M is when we actually go into valuation. Uh, valuation is something that, uh, uh, you know, is a uh, last step. We don't start with valuations, but looking at a company, looking at, you know, this company is cheap, we'll go into this. We don't do that. We actually do B and M first. And then if it filters through, that's when we get into valuations. Within valuations also, we kind of look at the financials in terms of not more from accounting earnings based valuations, but more from a cash flow based valuations. So we uh, lay a lot of emphasis on, uh, you know, the balance sheet and cash flows a lot more than PNL. Uh, so that's something that how we uh, do it. So this is the third step. Uh, fourth step is the strategy level filter. Uh, so for example, today we have contraf, uh, you know, pipe and flexicap as three strategies. So Contra is basically a, a you know out of flavor sectors. Uh, we pick leaders. Uh, that's typically uh, you know because when we pick them when they're out of flavor, we get them at a decent risk reward. So when things turn, you actually make decent money, and uh, eventually when uh, there is a bit of momentum to the business, which takes it uh, slightly more also. So that one leg is uh, helps you uh, generate a reasonable amount of wealth. Uh, that's the idea behind Contra. Uh, second is uh, you know pipe. It doesn't have any investment style like Contra. It basically it could be growth, it could be value, it could be growth at a reasonable price, it could be any of these styles. But uh, it has to be small and mid cap. In Contra, we could pick large cap, mid cap, small cap. It could be any of the market caps. But in uh, uh, the investment style is Contra. Whereas in uh, Pipe, the investment uh, uh, style is uh, not there. But uh, we predominantly invest only in small and mid caps. 
uh, and finally uh, flexicap uh it's a you know both it's a growth at a reasonable price sort of a portfolio in terms of investment style and it invests in large cap mid cap and small cap uh, across the three categories of market caps uh from this uh so from the 100 uh, odd companies which filter through bmb uh, depending on the mandate we get between anywhere between 40 to 50 companies for each of the strategies and from that we actually build a eventual portfolio of 25 to 30 stocks this is how we pick stocks and in each of our strategies when you kind of look at it you will find between uh, you know like contra has 23 names pipe has flexicap has 28 names the active share versus index is uh, you know pretty high uh, this is what we stand for uh, uh, you know uh, we stand for our original research we stand for our uh, you know uh, huge underweight overweight positions and uh, we show our uh, conviction through uh, you know the high active share Uh, so that's uh, predominantly what we stand for, but we do yeah. not do it through, uh, uh, you know, pretty uh, uh, unknown names. We actually do it with pretty uh, large index names itself. So if you kind of look at the contra portfolio, for example, nineteen uh, out of the twenty-three names are actually part of the BSC five hundred index. Uh, similarly, in the pipe strategy, fourteen out of twenty-nine is actually part of the uh, BSC five hundred index, and about twenty-five out of the twenty-eight names in the flexi cap strategy are also part of the index. so it's pre- predominantly names that are known but through uh, you know weight management we actually create a lot of alpha uh, that we are able to pick a team uh, slightly early and then participate when the team actually plays out so that's how we uh, do it but it's more bottom up uh, it's not top down uh, so that's what we do looking at the markets uh, we've had a fairly good earnings growth after uh, you know almost 5 6 years of uh, stagnation in terms of earnings uh, 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 uh but a broader theme there is two large themes which are running out there one is that uh, uh, you know globalization is reversing and second is inflation is uh, basically sticking at a level which is higher than before uh, higher than the pre covid levels so for about 15 years uh, actually 30 years the inflation was at about 2 or 3% uh, in the developed world that seems to be settling at a higher level for now uh and second uh, globalization is uh, basically seeing a bit of reversal uh because uh, there's clamor for local labor so which is basically meaning that uh, local jobs have to be created so which is why supply chains uh, post covid which were earlier uh, you know there only in the global supply chain uh meant capacities were predominantly in china and were supplied into other countries today the uh, people are moving from just in time to just in case so as a result we are moving from uh, a global supply chain to a mix of local supply chain uh, friendly supply chain and global supply chain so it's no more just global supply chain which effectively means uh, there is a chance for local companies to also participate in the growth which you know historically was challenged because of the uneven competition from china uh, alongside china we also had a lot of private equity and venture capital funded loss making companies which used to come and disrupt the profit pools of uh companies uh, today that is also because the inflation levels and cost of capital basically moved up that uneven competition is also no more so as a result you're basically seeing uh, improvement in profitability particularly for the b2b companies because that's the space where this uh, uneven competition was a lot more uh, you know acute uh, b2c companies are continuing to uh, uh, you know uh, grow at a decent rate but b2b uh, Uh, is where the significant improvement in profitability is 
against that the market cap creation in this space has not been that commensurate uh, when you actually look at earnings growth you know pre covid versus post covid the significant improvement in profitability is actually come in areas like uh, corporate banks infrastructure companies metals commodities uh, energy and to a certain extent in it but when you look at what's happened to the valuations in these sectors barring it every other sector has actually got derated so it's quite clear that uh, you know a lot of these sectors which have seen earnings growth haven't really participated as much but when you actually look at long run this is the data that we kind of saw earlier that uh, you know uh typically markets derated or they are derated sorry Just... they have actually derated but today if you kind of look at what's really happened with the markets uh the stock the sectors where earnings growth has been so for example the sectors that i called out here they have actually had decent earnings growth but when you look at their pe they've all actually got derated so if you look at banking versus 19.1 it's gone to 15.6 infrastructure is barely at the same level commodities 14.7 to 13.5 metals 13.9 to 11.5 uh energy 12.4 to 12.1 so either they are at the same level or they have actually got derated so effectively uh, that's a that's a big uh, this thing that uh, so if these companies can actually so sustain valuation this, point of view it makes sense is it yeah uh, more than valuations it's actually the earnings momentum which is there in some of these areas is actually significantly better that's not being fully appreciated in the market so when there is that earnings momentum roe improvement can be quite significant and that uh, to that extent is not fully reflected in the markets which is where we see an opportunity and particularly what we are also seeing is incremental market share is shifting to the stronger companies you know sector after sector you are actually seeing examples of this uh, and which is where today if we bottom up look at opportunities uh, sector wise these are the areas where we are actually finding risk reward being uh, reasonably positive uh, which is basically more manufacturing Chilling uh, businesses like aerospace, defense, textiles, auto, chemicals, metal, or manufacturing allied businesses like industrial products, utilities, banking, corporate banking, and logistics. These are areas where we are finding, uh, uh, you know, uh, a decent risk reward. Uh, so if you kind of look at the portfolios, all three, uh, you will see, uh, you know, a significant tilt, uh, you know, towards the manufacturing plus manufacturing and allied businesses. uh so versus the index levels of manufacturing manufacturing allied being at about 20% in flexi cap we have about 45% in uh contra we have about 54% in uh, pipe we have about 62% so these are significant departures from the index in terms of the sectoral weights and if you look at uh, say strategies like contra uh, we do not have uh, you know it or pharma we do not have too much consumer staples or discretionary we actually have only capital intensive consumer uh, companies like telecom or uh, real estate uh, and within financials also we own a lot of uh, uh, lending companies particularly uh, you know corporate lenders uh, than anybody else uh, so that's the way orientation is there in pipe strategy on the other hand uh, financials orientation is a little less because uh, strong franchises within financials are found a lot more in the large cap space in mid and small cap you don't find you actually find more niche companies operating in niche segments or in niche uh, geographies uh, so to that extent uh, the orientation of that uh, space you know sector within the pipe strategy because it's very small cap and mid cap focused uh, we don't have as much as what we find in flexi cap uh, but you do find a lot of 
bottom up manufacturing and manufacturing uh, allied businesses within the small cap mid cap which is why the orientation of that particular part is a lot more um yeah so that's broadly what is there uh, this is uh, uh, you know the portfolio today uh, uh, this yes, is so the discussion about each and every portfolio so it will yeah. be more in a q and a format so maybe yeah. you could cover up your q market outlook if there is anything that you want to add and then i'll come to the strategies yeah, yeah i think largely we are done with the you know market uh, outlooks if there are any questions on that aspect or any of the portfolios we can cover it accordingly yeah so uh, a couple of questions one you know we saw that uh, a good amount of recovery happened broadly in mid and small cap vis-a-vis large cap so what's your sense on that like where was the value and where do you see more value coming so, so if you kind of look at the uh, you know earnings growth also here uh, you can quite clearly see pipe strategy which is the most small mid cap portfolio the earnings growth within the uh, or if you actually take the bsc 500 and nifty mid and small for example uh, that's kind of quite clear that the earnings growth has actually come more on the mid and small cap uh, so which is where the uh, you know improvement has also been uh, significantly better uh, versus the uh, you know top 100 uh, roe improvement has also been uh, significantly better for this particular cohort versus the uh, large cap space that's why uh, you know it's had the kind of move that it was uh, it has had uh, it's driven by that uh, our portfolio is also we've kind of kept the same theme because historically that's what the market follows in the long run uh, uh, and hence uh, you know what is there uh, but despite that our portfolio uh, even after the outperf- large outperformances uh, is still available at a very very reasonable p starting p even for today if someone investor were to come Sure. The second question is, uh, you know, uh, we saw a very good amount of uh, recovery happening in pipe strategy, particularly. Of course, pipe pipe has been doing fantastically well for the last couple of years. Can you talk to our investor and tell us more about the history of the fund? Because I remember this fund was launched, I think, in 2015, then got closed in 17 because you were not comfortable with the valuations or something like that. Then again, started in eighteen. So, can you talk to our investors and throw more lights over there? Yeah. So, uh, before that, on the earlier question, also, what I'd also like to, you know, kind of mention, uh, we don't bucket things too much into, you know, uh, just because the stock is large cap, mid cap, uh, or small cap, uh, uh, you know, we look at it in a different way. What we do is we do it on a bottom, bottom up basis. What's really there. And if it makes sense, if the risk reward is makes sense and it, if it filters through the BMB quite well, that's when we bring it into the portfolio. So that process is a lot more core and inherent to us rather than uh, looking at uh, you know just whether it's a large, mid or small, where the risk reward is better at an index level. Uh, uh, now, as regards pipe, yeah, you rightly mentioned uh, you know this strategy. Uh, we've kind of had it uh, the first version pipe one. Uh, we had it in launched it in 2013, and then uh, uh, for the original investors that came in in 2013, we actually gave a return of about 370 percent. And then 2017 uh, December, we uh, uh, announced uh, we gave back the money, and in 2018 January we actually gave back money and closed it because we found the valuations uh, risk reward quite unreasonable at that point in time, lopsided. Uh, that's why we uh, gave back money. But then subsequently in September 2019, when the uh, you know risk reward again looked better, 
uh, we've kind of relaunched this. This is in the second avatar. Uh, so even today, if you kind of look at uh, you know this particular fund, whether it is uh, you know six months, one year, two year, three year, we've actually done pretty well uh, as regards the strategy. Uh, so so is the case with even you know a contra and flexi cap. Uh, so we've done pretty well. Uh, here, the orientation that we kind of took uh, here were uh, the companies that we picked uh, incidentally happened to be in uh, small cap uh, as per SEBI classification, but they were actually quite large businesses. They were not, uh, uh, you know, the thesis behind this were if you typically pick any of these companies, uh, they were leaders in a small category or they were, uh, you know, fast growing challenges in a large category. So if you, for example, uh, take a, uh, take the financial companies here, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, uh, banks were uh, focusing towards a very niche area like SME, or they were focused to, uh, uh, you know, focused from transitioning from a microfinance institution into a more diversified uh, financial franchise. And when they uh, diversified their CASA franchise on the liability side quite well, uh, the structure of the book and growth was looking quite promising. And for that uh, risk reward, uh, the bank was actually available quite uh, reasonable for, you know, for that strategy and execution. The bank's uh, valuations were actually quite cheap. And particularly the holding company was there earlier. So, uh, and there was a 20% discount on that as well. So we played that through the holding company. And eventually the RBI approval came across and uh, it got folded in. So that's how uh, you know some of those entities were. Uh, uh, second is say for example, uh, the leader in uh, parcel logistics, which is basically non-time sensitive cargo. Uh, uh, we bought into the largest company in that particular sector. Uh, then within large sectors like metals, we bought the companies which had the iron ore or uh, uh, you know uh, coal uh, integration because they had access to mines which are long. Uh, once and low cost mines uh, and their balance sheet repair which was going quite significantly so there was huge growth that basically meant uh, so just i uh, cite this example quite uh, you know quite often uh, so there are four or five companies in this portfolio with an ebitda between 1500 to 2000 crores but with a market cap between uh, and all of them having net cash but market caps between 4500 crores to 10000 crores yeah, all dead cash balance sheet. So, which effectively meant these companies were available at three to five times cash flows. Now, uh, uh, but while these most companies that I'm talking about are B2B, uh, we did find B2C companies with the same amount of profitability being available at 1,40,000 crore market cap. Okay, so that's the sort of dichotomy in terms of the uh, market cap versus the profit pool. So, we didn't think... Uh, uh, while we didn't ever think that the B2B companies would be as, as much valuable as B2C, uh, we did understand that the risk reward and the dichotomy in valuations can't be this large. So we thought eventually this has to correct. Uh, so as long as the cash flows are steady, the earnings improvement is there and ROE improvement is there. These are names that one could uh, participate better. Uh, so that's what we've kind of picked. Then we were early to, early to certain themes like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the shifting of supply chain, you know, supply chains. So basically, when the bearing companies were moving capacities to the country, the tier two suppliers to them were, uh, you know, big beneficiaries. Yeah, I was coming to that. In fact, when you say that, you know, you're a bottom-up guy, and you know, you would look at uh, uh, stocks individually. But 
when you look at the overall portfolio, this is just one query that I have, which if you can clarify, that I can see manufacturing and manufacturing allied both put together is more than you know 50-55% of the portfolio. So this is by design or this is by doing the complete bottom-up and then looked at the outcome and outcome turned out to be like this. This is outcome. This is not, uh, this is by following companies wherever there is earnings growth and ROE improvement. It just so happens that where this is, find, we are finding it more often is more in manufacturing and manufacturing allied areas. We are not going top down and looking for that particular aspect. Sure, sure. Okay. So you maybe you would have looked at those businesses. Their businesses are growing and you know, they're pretty large and you looked at their three to five times. So when you started designing, then eventually it turned out to be like this. Because I'm asking because this is a more looking like manufacturing theme, you know. So hence I am asking and trying to clarify this. Yeah, yeah. No, but we did see uh, emerge because when we were tracking these these numbers were stacking up the way it were. So then we tried to understand what are the common uh, themes which are running across parallel to all these uh, you know stocks. So that is when we pinpointed and put it as manufacturing and then uh, are presenting it to you. Uh, so it's a more bottom-up journey. Uh, and also, Chakalingam, if you can talk to us about two things. One, about your fund management team because, you know, essentially you look after the PMS pipe, whatever little I know, and then Anand also, I mean, overhead, I mean, he would look at as head of equity, look after the entire strategy. But can you also talk to us about who looks after which strategy in your team and how many analysts have been working along with you? No, sure. So this is the, uh, you know, uh, team, for example, uh, within PMS. Uh, so team headed by Anand Shah, he predominantly looks at Contra and Pipe. Uh, I, uh, you know, we both do the co-management of Contra and Pipe, uh, you know, both the portfolios. Uh, then I run flexi cap, large cap and uh, value strategies, uh, you know, along with again, Anand than Gitika. Gitika runs the A strategy. Uh, so uh, there are different strategies that we kind of run because it's uh, uh, the mandates are uh, slightly different. Uh, that's how uh, you know the fund management aspect of it is. Uh, and I like like I mentioned earlier, uh, we have a 22 member research team which is there, India's largest uh, you know uh, coverage within the country with 490 stocks and a coverage. Uh, these 22 analysts basically feed into uh, uh, you know, uh, feed research to us. And from there, uh, uh, wherever we need a little more deeper work, uh, two of our other, uh, you know, two of our analysts, Sandeep and Manan, also do slightly more deeper work where required. And then, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, go through this process that I kind of mentioned in terms of the, you know, uh, the five-stage process, uh, which includes the BMV, and then build the portfolio. That's typically how it come, kind of comes across. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, you also have your mutual fund business, which has been into existence for you know 25, 30 long years now. And we, we, we've heard Naren, uh, you know, very vocal about valuations and, you know, he keeps a very strong track on that. Uh, so my question is, when the other side, when I look at PMS, when I look at your portfolio, I don't know, would it be right to say that it is in the same line of the way mutual fund is being managed? Or it is absolutely different. There's a big Chinese wall in between. Or you say that they are conservative, we are aggressive. How do you want to uh, look at this? No, the, there are multiple ways, uh, right? Typically what happens is uh, the way you kind of run a, a portfolio kind of gets decided by the set of investors that you typically have. 
so if you were to kind of look at mutual fund for example you typically have investors who invest between 500 rupees all the way down to uh, you know uh, multiples of crores uh, so there's no homogeneity so to that extent you typically run it for the smaller uh, investor so typically for a 1000 rupee or 2000 rupee investor so your risk management and typically you tend to do is the way you kind of run it is a lot more risk averse so it tends to be a more benchmark plus or minus strategy to a large extent people don't take as much active calls as much as required but when you actually look at what's really happened with regards to pms or aif typically you that because of the ticket size there's a lot more homogeneity in, in the set of investors uh, who've kind of historically when you kind of look at other markets also when uh, the affordability levels kind of increase in the market and the affluence in there's a requirement for a slightly uh, you know higher uh, you know active risk to be taken and active return to be generated uh that's where uh, you know somebody who can run a boutique portfolio kind of comes in and uh, that's where we've kind of set up a slightly different team uh, uh you know for this uh, aspect uh while some things might be common between uh, you know the say for example the mutual fund and uh, us uh there are you know quite uh, uh, you know varied calls so today for example if you look at the portfolios for us uh, pharma is not really a big overweight for us uh, it's a big overweight for the mutual fund uh it again uh, we are literally zero in contra uh, uh, in the mutual fund it, uh, while they are underweight it's uh, not by that big of margin that they are underweight underweight energy for example we are really not there it's one of the top holdings for them uh, uh, you know in that sense uh, so to that extent there is uh, you know uh, and the other construct that we kind of always uh, stick by is you know typically in a mutual fund you'll ideally find between say 45 to 90 stocks or so uh, here it's uh, here you find a very very curated portfolio of you know between 25 to 30 stocks and the active shares are pretty high uh, so uh, you find you know between 75 to 99% of the three portfolios that we are discussing here uh, it's a pretty high active share that we are taking it's the active return that we are taking uh, sorry active risk that we are taking to generate active returns Sure. While I had a brief call with uh, Anand last time, and in fact happened to you know got a chance to interview him and uh, read his mind about contra. But maybe my last question is if you can talk to us about you know how 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 are you running and positioning your contra fund A, and what is it that you're contrarian about at this point of time? So uh, even today, for example, uh, you know in the portfolio. uh you know i i i wouldn't look too much on the left side of the uh, you know uh, uh this thing looking at the stock names because uh, you might say what's contra about owning you know some of the large franchises in the country but if you actually look at the second bucket which is where the you know sector orientation is concerned uh, literally 50% of the index is really not here uh, which is it pharma uh, you know energy consumer staples consumer discretionary auto uh, all these sectors are not there at all Uh, it's not that there are not good companies within these sectors it just so happens that uh, there is better risk reward in the other segment of the market so when there are uh, vikas i think your line is muted i think you're trying to speak something yeah yeah so i was saying that on the second table that you said you you know these are the businesses that are beyond benchmark right yeah 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 over to you yeah so uh, which is where we kind of see that you know uh, again uh, the sector orientations are completely different that's one second uh, where we are completely different for example say uh, you know metals for example is uh, not as big an overweight at uh, you know which is a pretty large contrarian position 
being completely zero on IT is a contrarian position. Being completely zero on pharma is a contrarian position. Uh, within financials, uh, being underweight on non-lending financials and uh, 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 you know NBFCs is a uh, you know contrarian position. Uh, uh, within consumers, again uh, being overweight on uh, you know by as much as nine and a half percent on telecom uh, across the two companies there. And uh, uh, being overweight on real estate, uh, yeah, these are I would say, uh, and industrials uh, orientation within the portfolio is also pretty large, and uh, within financials also uh, the orientation towards public sector banks. So, for example, public sector banks here is roughly uh, you know uh, about thirteen fourteen percent. That's not the weight that you'll find typically find in any sort of portfolio that you'll any normal portfolio that you kind of come across so those are areas and there is a fair bit of psu representation within the portfolio so these are areas again which uh, you will normally not find in a normal portfolio sure, sure. great it was pleasure talking to you chakalingam i think uh, you know you've clarified most of the points so patiently and i must give you compliments on behalf of entire aif and pms team the way you identified the trend, you were the way you were early on in terms of selling those special chemical businesses of India, the way you looked at IT, reduced your exposure, and then came back and increased your valuations after it fell down. I mean, it requires different sort of expertise. So compliments to you and your entire team. Many thanks. Thank All investors are happy. So continue to create Alpha. Thank you. Thanks, Vikas. And thanks a lot to you and your team uh, for the support uh, shown. Uh, looking forward for more long-term association. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again. Thank you.